Hey everyone, welcome to the podcast for the Vineyard Church in Campbellsville, Kentucky. If you haven't already, we encourage you to check out our audio archive at vineyardcampbellsville.org. You can also subscribe on iTunes or wherever you like to get podcasts. And now, here's this week's message brought to you by Senior Pastor Adam Russell. Hey, here's what I want to do this morning. Um, I want to give you a message this morning that I'm calling, You Gotta Get Ready. And it comes from the opening chapter of the Gospel of Mark. That's the text for the morning. Uh, that's the lectionary text for the morning. So all the churches around the world who are sort of like falling into the Christmas calendar and falling into the church calendar and are celebrating Advent, like churches all around the world this morning, they're reading this same text and there are homilies and sermons and messages given from this and uh, we're doing the same. It's one of the traditions around here at the Vineyard. We don't, we don't normally follow super close to the church calendar, but a couple times a year we, we come right in line, and that's what we do here in December. Uh, this, is, this is Advent season. It's the reason we have some candles, candles up here. We don't normally light candles, but we do this time of year. And if that's new for you, all of that is just a way for us to join the global church and to get ready for the coming of Jesus. That's really what Advent means. Maybe that's a new word for you, or maybe you're watching online, you're like, I don't really even know what that word means, and I've never encountered that in church. And especially if you grew up in church in the South in particular, you probably didn't really encounter that. Here's all Advent means. Advent's just a word that means coming. And, and if you're wondering what's coming or who's coming, it's, it's Jesus. And so historically, the church has used these four weeks preceding Christmas to get ready for the coming of Jesus. And it's like, it's like, a, it's like a double-sided thing in the church. It's not just that we're getting ready uh, to celebrate the first coming of Jesus, but the church knows that if he came once, he will come again. And so it's this season in which we take a little bit of time and we get ready, uh, not just for the, the first coming of Jesus, but for the second coming of Jesus when he, when he comes in, in power to set the world right. Now, uh, I also wanna say this about Advent, and this is very, very important. Like some of the key words or the key themes of Advent are things like, are things like waiting and longing. And you might be wondering, wow, that doesn't, that doesn't really feel like Christmas. Uh, that is correct. That is correct. That is not much like Christmas. The church's approach to this whole season isn't just the sentimentality that Hallmark wants to sell us. In fact, if you give into that, you'll miss the, the, really the moment of what this season is about. You know, this season isn't about like, hey, let's just, let's look for ways to be cozy and sort of like uh, live in greater denial. That's not what the church ever does. Uh, what Advent is about is that it's saying, hey, let's prepare for the coming of Jesus. And, and because we're, we're doing that, because we're preparing for the coming king who's going to set the world right, uh, let's take this moment to reflect on the ways in which the world isn't right. To, to honestly give ourselves the space to look at our life, maybe our own personal life, or our community, or the country, or the world we live in, and go, you know what? There's just some stuff that isn't okay. Part of what Advent is, is, is a moment to say, you know what? There's some stuff that isn't okay, and what we need is, we need the king to come and put things back together. Does that make sense? And so, so, in the church anyway, Advent leading up to Christmas, it's not just, 
you know, twinkly lights, yes, we like that, and jingle bells, it's all of that, but underneath it is a more somber tone, and it's a chance for us to just to look at life and go, you know what, this is what it is, and what a year to do that, right? I mean, everybody in the room except for me right now is wearing a mask, and we're wearing masks because there's a deadly disease out there, and in fact, this week, uh, I've heard stories from people here in our community who have fallen very, very sick, you know? And then some people slightly outside of this community, but that are in my relational network, people who have died from an invisible virus that you cannot see. And, and by the way, these are, not just, uh, these are not just people who had, you know, pre-existing conditions. That's the thing we like to baptize this thing with, right? You know, oh, well, they had pre-existing conditions. As if, as if that's a reason that someone should die, you know? But people who died early, like this is not okay, right? So we, we are currently living in this global moment where everything is kind of like upside down. And what a moment to be able to come to God in church as the people of God and say, you know what? Some things are not right. And what we really need is we need you to come and make things right. Like, there's, like we get some things. Thank God for science. Thank God that science is working things out. Thank God that hopefully within another year, this will all be put to rest. But still, the thing under the thing is that we need Jesus. Okay? It feels like I'm preaching two sermons today. <laughs> Haven't even got to the text. Hey, let's do that, though. Let's just jump right into the text. I'm just trying to give you a little bit of what Advent is, and I want to jump in the text and get on with the real message this morning. This is from the Gospel of Mark. This is the reading this year. And as I read it, just a few verses, you might notice this is, not, this is not the usual Christmas text. So just kind of put your brain on that. Here it goes. This is the good news about Jesus the Messiah, the Son of God. It began just as the prophet Isaiah had written. Look, I'm sending my messenger ahead of you, and he will prepare your way. He has a voice shouting in the wilderness, prepare for the Lord's coming, clear the road for him. Y'all remember that scripture we read earlier this morning? They go together, don't they? This messenger was John the Baptist. He was in the wilderness and he preached that people should be baptized to show that they had repented of their sins and turned to God to be forgiven. All of Judea, including all the people of Jerusalem, went out to see and hear John. And when they confessed their sins, he baptized them in the Jordan River. His clothes were made from coarse camel hair and he wore a leather belt around his waist for food, he ate locusts and wild honey. My favorite, big bowl of locusts with wild honey. You just mix that up in the morning, it'll really get you going. John announced, someone is coming soon who's greater than I am, so much greater that I'm not even worthy to stoop down like a slave and un untie the straps of his sandals. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. That's our text this morning. Theme of the message this morning is you got to get ready. Straight from the Gospel of Mark. Uh, one of the things I hope you saw right away in this text is that Mark is not opening his gospel like some of the other gospels open their gospel. You know, Matthew and Luke, they have these long stories about the birth of Jesus, don't they? Like they tell the story, especially in Luke. I mean, we get, we get, we get like the cousins, we get, we get Mary, we get Zechariah, we get all these people are in there. We get Anna, she's like at the temple. But in Mark, we get how much of that? 
None of it. Like Mark is like completely unconcerned with that piece of the story. And when he's setting up the coming of Jesus, rather than telling the story of the birth of Jesus, Mark goes way back before just when Jesus was born, and he points back to Old Testament stuff. Did you notice that? Like right at the beginning, hey, here's the story of Jesus is coming. And by the way, uh, this isn't something that's just new. This is something we heard about a long time ago. And Mark, he writes in those scriptures from Isaiah. That's the reason Heather read those this morning from Isaiah chapter 40. And so part of what Mark is saying to anybody who would read his gospel is this. uh, This Jesus thing, this ain't a new thing. This is an old thing. Like this is Hundreds and hundreds of years ago, like we were hearing about this all the way back, even in our own prophets, even in the prophet Isaiah and others as well. And so this story, whatever's happening with Jesus the King, it's not something brand new. This is like, this is a part of our old story. It's one of the reasons I love the gospels in general. You need, you need the gospels, plural, to actually get a grip on the gospel singular. You need multiple tellings. You need, you need different perspectives. And so Mark's saying, hey, this is an old thing. It goes all the way back to Isaiah, even before that. And then, and then he pulls it together and he says, you know, something, something is getting ready to happen. Something is happening in the person of Jesus that we've been waiting for for years, for years, all, all the way back to the Old Testament, Isaiah, all of these moments. And then, and then even, even in the Old Testament, the, the closing book of the Old Testament, which is Malachi, there's this messianic prophecy uh, at the end of Malachi. But here's what you don't maybe understand if you, unless you've looked into it a little bit deeper. Uh, the, the closing chapter of Malachi in the Old Testament, uh, the distance between that and the opening chapter of, let's say, Matthew in the New Testament, there's 400 years between them, you know? And so, so part of what Mark is saying is, like, we've been waiting for 400 years to even hear a word. Like people in Israel, when Jesus was born, people had thought that there were no more prophets, that everything God had said was like somewhere else. But Mark is saying, no, 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 no. We've waited a really long time. There's that word waiting again, right? That's an Advent word. You think you've waited uh, because you had to wait seven or eight years for something, or you've been hoping for something for maybe a decade? Uh, Try on 400 years. Longer than that. And Isaiah was even before that. We're talking like 600 years, you know? And there's that 400 years of silence. And so Mark is saying, hey, you've been waiting for 400 years and now the man is here. And by the way, in the opening chapter, not only is the man coming, but Mark slows down and tells this other story, not about the man who's coming, but the man who precedes the man who's coming. That'd be John the Baptist, which is just another way of saying, if something big's going to happen, you got to get ready. You got to get ready. Let's talk about this for a second. Uh, we're all friends here. We can do some back and forth. Let's talk about getting ready for a few minutes. And it's great if you want to just shout out from your seat through your mask. What are some of the big things that people, even in our own culture, make preparations for? Isn't it true that if it's a big moment, typically before the big moment, you get ready for it? Talk to me. What are some of the things? Isn't it funny? Yeah, right? It's the first thing in my notes. Like if you're going to get married, you make some plans, don't you? And people go all in. They like 
They like take a whole year and plan. Uh, some people were planning even before they got a ring, you know? Some people were planning even before they got a boyfriend or a girlfriend, you know? Some people were like, you know, I've got this, and we're going to do this, and we're going to do this, and now i just got to get the man, you know? <laughs> I've been planning for a long time. Yeah, people plan for a wedding. What else do people plan for? Travel. Travel. Like what kind of trip? To like Greensburg? <laughs> yeah, if you're going internationally, you get ready, don't you? You're like, well, you know, I need to get my, I need to get my passport, and that's a pain in the butt you have to go to the post office and have those people tell you like three things and they're all they're always that's never the same thing have you ever noticed that it's like getting a passport it takes a hundred trips just to get the pat and you got to go you go and buy new suitcases you know because the last trip you took ripped it apart and and you need you need some travel clothes you know some things that don't wrinkle on the plane no yeah, you, you, you plan for big trips, don't you? Especially if you're going to cultures maybe where they speak different languages. Maybe you want to learn a few key phrases like, where's the bathroom and please give me food. What else, what else do people plan for? Babies. I have a second on my list. Yeah, babies. Man, if you're about to have a baby, you better prep. You know? You better... How many of you, how many of you all, like before you had the babies, you were the mom who like read all the books, you know? And then some people were like, like, you read all the books. Like, what's going to happen to my body? Well, to, hey, everyone, you know, uh, the baby in my belly is now the size of a tangerine. You had those discussions? Yeah, you're dealing with prepper mom. Yeah. What else? What else do people prep for? It's, it's like a big thing. Retirement. Retirement. That was also on my list. Yeah, you're looking forward to like that season in your life where you well, you do mostly what you kind of want to do, right? You're not working for the man anymore. You are the man. Yeah. And hopefully, hopefully you've prepped. And how, how do you prep for retirement, by the way? Save some money. Like get a 401k. Hey, listen, if you're 18 or 20 in this room, go ahead and just do that. 50, 60 bucks a month. By the time you're 65, you'll have millions. Even if you never make that much money. It, it just happens. It's called compounding interest, guys. Right? You prep for it. Put a little bit away. Right? Yeah. What else do you prep for? Anybody? Death. <laughs> prep for death. I love this one. I love this one. Who said that? Thank you, Hope. Hope says death. By the way, my, my, I think my next tattoo, my, I think my next tattoo is going to be memento mori, which means remember your death. Consider your own mortality. So, you know, yeah. Hey, you might want to think about it. You might, I, honestly, you might want to think, of, can I tell you something about everybody in the room? We're all terminal. Everyone's going to die. Yeah, nothing wrong with that. Maybe you don't want to think about it every day. But once, once every five years, you should just take a long drive and just consider the fact that you're going to die. Like, like, what do you need to get done? You know, what do you like? Fi like, finally, what do you need to have straight for your family and your kids? And like, you need to weed eat that fence row. Go ahead and get it done, whatever it is. Anything else? I'm sorry. College prep for college. Got to take those classes. Get ready. Get smart. Here's a couple things I put down. Here's a couple things I put down. Um. Uh, running marathons, and I only put this down because somebody in our own church ran a marathon yesterday. Did you guys see that? Shout out Lois Jean. 
Yeah, did y'all see that? Lois ran 26, over, like ran over 26 miles. What? How many of you know you don't just wake up one day and go, you know what? I'm going to run a marathon. You might think that, but you're not going to do that. No, you, you, you prep for that. Yeah, that's what you do. Anything that's big, you prep. Even like making dinners. We just came out of Thanksgiving, and, and Thanksgiving's kind of a big deal in our family. It's probably a big deal in your family, too. You make prep, don't you? Like you go to Kroger and you, you fight people off. And you, you come home and you, you, know, you remember to thaw the bird. Be sure to do that, you know, and make sure you have all your ingredients because you don't want to be the guy who's traveling back to town on Thanksgiving or running to DG. <laughs> and it's the apocalypse when that happens, you know. Anything can happen. It, DG is often the apocalypse anyway, but you go, you go on a holiday, all bets are off, you know. You got you to gotta prep for big stuff. And this is, part of what, this is part of what Mark is saying to us in his gospel. Hey, the king's coming. You might want to get ready. I want to read you one thing just from a, from a book I was reading this week about the gospel of Mark. And it's kind of, kind of interesting because it puts some of this in a, another layer of context for us in terms of, oh, something's about to happen. You might want to get ready. And even the way that Mark is telling a story. One of the Bible scholars I was reading this week says this. He says, among the Romans, it meant joyful tidings the word gospel, he's, he's writing about the word gospel because that word shows up right at the beginning of Mark's gospel. He says, among the Romans, the word gospel meant joyful tidings. So the word gospel is not initially a Christian word. It's initially a Roman word, but watch this. And it was associated with the cult of the emperor whose birthday, attainment to majority, and ascension to power were celebrated as festival occasions for the whole world. What does that mean? It means whenever the emperor of Rome was the emperor of Rome, whenever he was born, whenever he attained power or became emperor, what was it called? It's like glad tidings. Good news, everybody. Uh, we got a king in Rome, right? That's where this word eventually or initially comes for. And so this scholar writes here this. He says, the reports of such festivals were called evangels. Isn't this interesting? We're called evangels in the inscriptions of the imperial age. A calendar inscription from around 9 BC found in Asia Minor says of the emperor Octavian Augustus, the birthday of the God was for the world, the beginning of joyful tidings which have been proclaimed on this account. This inscription is remarkably similar to Mark's initial line and it clarifies the, the essential content of an evangel in the ancient world, a historical event which introduces the new situation for the world. Uh, why did I even read any of that to you? I, I just thought that was so interesting because these initial words that we so associate with Jesus were actually initially associated with the emperors of the time. And so when Mark opens up his gospel by saying, hey, good news, and he associates it with Jesus, He's subverting the culture that he lives in and saying, this is merely a shadow of the real thing. And then he inserts this Old Testament Isaiah story. And then he inserts John the Baptist, who is the herald of the, of the coming king. And what he's saying to us is, uh, something has profoundly changed. What you thought it was is not what it is. Uh, you might want to get ready. It's an amazing, amazing 
turn of phrase. Mark opens up his gospel with a redefinition of the word. The true king is coming. And how do you get ready when the true king comes to town? How do you advent, as it were? Well, let's just play this little uh, game in the room tonight. Uh, let's imagine this. Uh, imagine, imagine that someone told you, imagine that someone told you that the president was coming to your house. And just for the sake of being non-political this morning, let's just imagine not a specific president, but <laughs> just a president. Pick your favorite, okay? Whoever that is for you. Could be anyone, right? Imagine, imagine that someone came to you and said, hey, just want you to know, the president, not a specific, but the president is coming to your house on Saturday. What would you do if the president were coming to your house on Saturday? Clean. How many, of you, how many of you would want to clean your house if the president were coming over? Would, would you clean the half bath? Anybody in here? Would you clean that toilet? Yeah. Would you, would you run the sweeper? Yeah. What else would you do? You'd get some food, right? Because you wouldn't want the president to come to your house and see your clean toilet, but there wouldn't be any food. So you would definitely have food. So you clean your house. Uh, you run the sweeper and you get some food. Is there anything else that maybe you, you'd do? I'm sorry? You would talk to your kids. I had this down in my notes as well. You'd prep the rest of the family, wouldn't you? It's like, well, hey, uh, just so you know, don't run at him. <laughs> and leave the toy guns You'd, you'd, you'd put all the guns away, wouldn't you? It's like, that's a great way to end up dead. But that was my kid, you know? Okay, what else would you do? You'd prep the family, you'd sweep the rug, you'd clean the bathroom, you'd get some food. Is there anything else? You'd make repairs. You'd hate for the president to come to your house and see your fallen down porch, wouldn't you? It's like, yeah, well, I, it's been like that for 15 years. We're going to get to it, though. Yeah, no, that's what you would do. Why? Because you make preparations when something big is about to happen or when someone important is coming over. And if Jesus were showing up, this is exactly what Mark is saying through the voice of John the Baptist. Mark is saying, gosh, the real king's about to show up. And because of that, the real king, not the fake king who lives in Rome, not the fake political power, not the one that everybody thinks is the dude, but the real dude's about to show up. And we know it's the real dude because we finally have a prophet. The first prophetic word in 400 years is out in the wilderness and he's telling us what to do. What do you do when Jesus is about to show up? It's an unpopular word. You repent. Isn't that what John says? He says, he says, everybody in Judea went out to see him. And isn't this interesting too? Like, how anointed must this guy have been? Because his message is, you have to repent. And everyone's running out to him. He's in the desert. Like, this is amazing stuff, okay? He's in the desert, and he's baptizing people for, for confessing their sins. Now, imagine this. By the way, baptism isn't just a new thing, and it didn't start with Jesus 
Didn't even start with John the Baptist. Like people would get baptized even in the Old Testament. It was basically a way of saying, I need to be clean. I've been so far from God. I need to be, it was like a symbol, right? I need to, I need to get my life cleaned up. And I've been so far from God and I, you know, I got to get right. And sometimes like if a Jewish person uh, maybe had walked away from God or forsaken their own you know, their own culture in some way, they would, they'd get baptized. But sometimes it was a little more than sprinkling. And it was like actual baptism the way John was doing it. It was reserved for like when Gentiles wanted to come and be a part of the, the household of God, right? And so when John is out in the desert, A, he's out in the desert, people are coming to him and his message is repentance. And presumably a lot of the people who are coming to John, they are Jews themselves, and if they're getting in the river and getting baptized, one of the things they're basically saying is, I'm so far from God, I'm not unlike a Gentile, which is basically the worst thing you could say if you're a Jew. Can you imagine people who are so stricken in the heart, and I don't mean stricken in a bad way, but I mean in a good way, like conviction has so hit their lives that they're, they're willing to say publicly, I'm basically not one of us, and in, in, in a I, I want to be right with God. I'm willing to look like the out crowd in order to come back in. Can you imagine such a thing? And John is saying, well, this is how you get ready. This is how you get ready for Jesus. This is, this is how you make preparations. You got to clean the toilet. You got to sweep the rug. You got to fix the porch. You got to have the talk with the kids because someone important is coming over. And I know repentance has has like heavy connotations. And sometimes we just think it means like cry about all the things you did bad. But it's not really what it means. I mean, sometimes there really is a tear or two associated with repentance and that's not a bad thing. But repentance doesn't mean just feel bad about what you did. Repentance means change the way you think given this new information, right? Like reorient your whole life. Uh, who you are, what you think, and what you do, given the fact that something new is happening. What's the new thing? Well, the new thing is Jesus is coming. The real king is coming. Caesar is not the king. Uh, he's a fake substitutionary king. He's not the thing. And given the fact that he's not the thing, reorient all of your thinking around that. That's what John is saying. And I love that Mark puts this message of John the Baptist with that passage from Isaiah, right? I love, I love that he says, clear the road, like make a way for the king. And Heather read this morning specifically, she read a little bit more from Isaiah. Do you guys remember the passage? Uh, clear the road, make the high places what? Low, make the low places what? Level them up a little bit. Uh, make the crooked places what? Straight and make the rough places plain, make them smooth. And, and how many of you know that's pretty good advice? Clear the road. Like I, I just want to offer this this morning as, as a thought for what repentance or what, for what making preparations for Jesus might be. You know, a lot of us have ideas. Here's, here's another one. Uh, maybe it's just clearing the road. I love this language. Straighten things out, lower things, raise things, smooth out the rough. But let's do this first. What do roads do? Not a hard question this morning. What do they do? They take you places. They take you places. Roads take you places. Another way to maybe even think about it, kind of what Amy is saying here, roads connect places, don't they? And what did we say a few weeks ago in the morning message? 
Life is what? Connection. That's how babies are made. That's how babies are sustained. And we, we can think about this in so many ways. Life is connection. Roads are, in many, many ways, like this physical manifestation of one of the truest things in the universe, which is connection is life. Roads are powerful because they take you places and they connect places. Not only that, but they make connection faster and easier. Here's what's ironic about it, though. Roads connect places. They take you places. They make getting there faster and easier. But how many of you know this, that making roads, ironically, is slow? Do you guys remember, and this, this is going to be one of those examples that two-thirds of the people in this room have no idea what I'm talking about. Great preaching is about to hit you. But do you guys remember, do you guys remember uh, back in the day, before Highway 210 was in its current form. Okay, so let's just stop here. Highway 210 is the, is the road that goes north out of Taylor County towards like Hodgenville and E-Town. You guys know that road? And how many of us agree that it's still, it's, still, it's basically a terrible road? <laughs> let, me, let me tell you something uh, right up front about like Taylor County in this area. As bad as 210 is right now, it used to be horrible. Like, 25 years ago, this road went up and down, and it was incredibly narrow, and it was like crooked. I mean, it's like a dog's hind leg. It was just like this, you know? And it was so unsafe. Like, you know, if, if anyone ever had a car accident, you just knew it was Highway 210. And it's kind of still the truth, but it like, was like way true back in the day. And when I was 16 years old, I'll just tell you this quick story. I was working at the landscape place down here. I was an idiot, because 16-year-olds are. And my boss puts me in this giant like two or three ton truck with a flatbed trailer and a massive bobcat and it was filled with gravel. Read for that, very heavy, right? And it's, you know, it's a, it's a, you know, it's like, it's a stick shift, you know, it's not an automatic and not only that, but it's like a split axle thing. So you like, you go the gears and you flip the switch and then you go back. It's like very confusing. I'm 16. It's illegal for me to be doing this. You know, not only illegal, but in, and I'm driving this road, and I will never forget for as long as I'm living the death grip that I have on this truck, you know, and I'm just out there trying not to. I'm not worried about myself. I'm, I'm just thinking I'm going to run someone straight over, you know. Terrible, terrible road. And then finally someone woke up and said, you know, we got to fix this. And when they set to fixing Highway 210, it took them like 187 years. <laughs> But they finally fixed it, and, and now Campbellsville goes to E-Town more, right? Like, we went to E-Town, but before it was, like, punishing. And now you're like, well, you know, we can get there. And now not only that, but E-Town people come here, and they, they go to Brothers, and they go to our places, and they go to our lake, and they do all that. They're all of that more. Like, life came out of it because the road got better, right? High places were made low. Low places were raised up. Crooked things were straightened out. Rough places were smoothed over. Anyway, that's one way to think about getting ready. It's the same for us here, too, this morning. We're in a moment of anticipation. That's what Advent is about, getting ready, longing. We're getting ready to celebrate Christmas. And maybe some people in the room are really aware of the gaps and holes in our lives. Maybe we're looking for a way to embrace Jesus again. Well, here's the gospel word for us today. Get ready. 
flatten some stuff out, raise some stuff up, straighten out the crooked, and smooth out the rocky. Reorient everything in your life as though Jesus were Lord and he were on his way. Let me, let me just break this apart really quickly for us this morning as a way of maybe regaining some imagination around this scripture. Isaiah says, well, the Lord's coming. We ought to make a highway for him. Let's take the high places and let's lower them a bit. What, what, what might the high places be a stand-in for? What about the high places of my own pride? Right? Maybe, maybe we could just use this as a, as a way of devotionalizing this a bit. To get ready for Jesus, to make a road for him, to make a, to make a way for he and I to connect and like share life. Maybe, maybe this is a season in the next few weeks to examine my life and lower any of the high places of pride. Any place where I have literally am losing connection from God or from people because my ego is in the way. Does that make sense? Okay. What, what might the low places be? We can do interpretation together. There's, like, there's literally no way to get this wrong. If the high places might be pride, what might the low places be? Let's do this together. Doubt. It could be doubt, right? Like just a bog of doubt, right? Might want to raise that, raise that up. Anybody else want to throw something on the low places? Anxiety. It just, it just bottoms you out. What else? I'm sorry? Shame. Shame, that's a real gut punch. What I put in my notes this morning was despair. You know, just giving in to despair. Like the, uh, uh, not, just, not just a right appraisal of sad things in the world, but, but, but that thing that's underneath that even, which, which would be something along the lines of, it's never going to change. Why even try, Right? Maybe it's time to raise that up. Maybe, maybe it's time to make a way for the Lord and like let go of anxiety or shame or despair. Maybe that's something that needs to be raised up. What about crooked places? Let's do, let's do interpretation this morning. What, what might the crooked places that need straightened out be? I'm sorry? Bad decisions. Crummy decisions, just like it's just more complicated than it should be. Anything else? Relationships. Relationships. Yeah, things get complicated, don't they? We get going in circuitous paths. Anything else that might be crooked? I'm sorry, sin? Yeah, that would definitely always work. In my notes this morning for crooked places that need to be straightened out, I put down deceit. Isn't deceit always crooked? Like even, like when we talk about a, a, a deceitful person, we'll talk about them as being what? Crooked. Yeah. I, I'm, maybe, maybe this is a moment as we get ready for Jesus where we look in our own lives and go, you know what? Have I just been, have I been deceitful? For any number of reasons. Like have I just told lies? You know? Okay, rough places. Let's do some interpretation this morning. Anything like rough places that need to be made smooth. Unforgiveness. Yeah. In fact, in my notes this morning, right along with that, Andrew, I put uh, relational stuff. That's literally what I put. I, as soon as I read rough places, uh, I, I don't know why I did this, but my mind just went to places where my relationships just are not, 
they're not good. Like maybe there's somebody I've been avoiding or somebody that like I just don't want to be around and maybe it's rooted in an issue or maybe there's a conversation I should have had and didn't or maybe I just need to forgive someone, you know, and it's just rough and we, what could I do to smooth it out? I just, I, kept, I just had this mental picture of smoothing things out with people. I don't know, anybody else? You know what I mean? Hey, what if we were being invited for, by the scriptures and by John the Baptist and by the Spirit this morning to lower some things, to raise some things, to straighten some things and to smooth some things so that we could have an amazing connection to God? You know? What if we took the next week or two just to look over our lives and go, man, what could I, what could I do? You know, you know what that would be? If we saw them and did them, that, that'd be repentance. It would be rethinking your whole life based upon this thing that's happening, which is Jesus is the Lord. Jesus is the Lord. Amen? There's the message this morning. Let's build a highway. That's how we get ready. So if you're on the worship band this morning, why don't you come up? We're going to sing another song because that's what we do. Thanks again for stopping by the podcast of the Vineyard Church in Campbellsville, Kentucky. If you'd like to keep up with what's happening at the Vineyard, you can follow us on social media. Until next time.